Welcome back to another episode of the Carefree Black Girl Diaries, where we discuss various topics like pop culture, news, politics, and more. I am the host, Shakira, and I want to welcome you back if you're already part of the Carefree family. But if you aren't, maybe you're new here and you just happen to stumble across this podcast. I promise that it was not by chance. You were meant to be here. So go ahead and subscribe and welcome to our family. And if you like what you hear, go ahead and leave us a rating. It would really mean a lot to us if you left us a good rating. We'll be very appreciative. And yeah, so let's just hop right into our carefree updates. Now I'm going to preface this entire episode and let you know that this one is going to be a little bit different. Usually I will um, talk about different topics and we just kind of break them down and dissect them. But today we're just going to be kind of just discussing something that's been on my mind a lot this past month. But let's hop into the carefree updates. So almost just as soon as it was announced that Kevin Hart would be hosting this year's Oscars, it was also announced that he would not be hosting this year's Oscars. So someone went and dug up some homophobic tweets of his from Um, Almost 10 years ago, I think about 2009, they went and found some tweets and they pulled out some of his old comedy shows that, mind you, are still on Netflix right now and used that as basically a weapon for him not to host the Oscars. And he did not want to apologize, so he stepped down from hosting. My only issue with this is I wish America would keep that same energy. America will not keep that same energy with all his people. Now, mind you, just last week, Kevin Hart had a birthday party for his son. I think his son turned one. And the theme of the party was Cowboys and Indians. That was not an issue for America, even though cultural appropriation with Indians and Native Americans, the headdress, the costumes and everything, that wasn't an issue. The tweets were an issue. Also... Paper Magazine did a full spread with Amanda Bynes and people just went crazy. They said that she broke the internet and everyone just forgot about the fact that she said racist remarks about Rihanna and said that she was ugly and that's why Chris Brown beat her. It was just like all forgiven and everyone forgot about it. And I just feel like there's so many things that happened. And last year, the Academy nominated Mel Gibson for an award and he used racist language. And it's just that I feel like America would treat everyone fairly. And I know that's not the system that we live in. But if we're going to hold only certain people accountable, we shouldn't do that. We need to hold everyone accountable for everything they say. I just feel like whenever people say racist remarks, we have to forgive them. We have to just let it blow over and let everything go. But when they say anything else, then we can't forgive them and they can't have shown growth. Now, am I saying that he was right? No, I'm not saying that he was right in what he said. But I am saying that we need to be able to keep that same energy with everyone. Now on to something more positive. This week, The Hollywood Reporter released a piece entitled No More, We Can't Find Any Black Writers. Here are 62 scribes in one photo. Now, the women in the picture were all members of a networking group, and the group is called Black Women Who Brunch. And the group was co-founded by Lena Waithe, 
Okoro Carol, excuse me if I'm pronouncing her name wrong, and Erica L. Johnson. Now, Erica L. Johnson, she was a writer for Being Mary Jane that was on BET, and Okoro Carol was show running the CW's All American. Well, she is currently show running CW's All American TV show. And at the time, she was an executive story editor for Bones. So all three women, they got together and decided that it would be good to have a group of black women writers in Hollywood so that when things happen and they needed to provide recommendations for writers, they would have a group to pull from. And they also felt like it was very important for them to have this kind of group and be able to lean on each other when things, you know, got a little tough as they tend to do for black women and black men in almost any industry. Now, if you don't know who Lena Waithe is, I love Lena Waithe. She is the writer and creator of the Showtime show, The Shy, and it's based on Chicago city life. And if you haven't heard of The Shy, um, a few people you may know in the show is Jacob Lattimore, Jason Mitchell. Jason Mitchell played Easy e in Straight Out of Compton. You may know Alex Hibbert. He was the little boy from Moonlight. He played Black in Moonlight. And it's a really great show if you haven't seen it yet. I think it comes back on next year. But it's a really good show. I do recommend that you give it a shot and try and watch it. But Lena Waithe created that show and Common helped her with that. And I was reading some of their comments on The Hollywood Reporter, the different women. And it was just all too relatable. And I feel like it's so relatable not only in Hollywood, but in any industry. I feel like medicine, um, law fashion, modeling, photography. I feel like black women in any industry could relate. And maybe it's something that we could mirror as black women, creating a certain networking group in our different industries so that we all have a support system and also a system of sisters to hold us accountable you know, when we have goals and things that we want to meet. So I thought it was a pretty dope article. If you want to check it out, it's on thehollywoodreporter.com. Now it is time for us to hop into this week's topic, which I have entitled Black Exhaustion. So this episode is for any black person who has ever felt just exhausted by being black, by just being in the skin that you were born in and living every day. If you just feel tired, this episode is for you. Now, this feeling is something that I'm fairly new to. My parents, let me give you a backstory. So my parents sent me to daycare and it was run by a black woman who employed an all black staff and the daycare was on the south side of the city I'm from. And I don't know about y'all, but the south side where I live is like the hood, like the hood hood. So you can imagine why there will be no white kids at this daycare. So after daycare, my parents, they sent me to a school and the school was from kindergarten to 12th grade. And I stayed at that school the entire way through. I never left. And early on, the school had one white woman working there. I really wish I could remember her name, um, but I can't remember it at the moment. But as I progressed through the school, we had maybe, maybe, strong maybe, four to five white teachers come and go during my time there. And our first encounter with a white student was when I got to high school. So that says a lot. I'm giving you this backstory because I need you to like live in my shoes for a second. But the white student that we had, she was extremely quiet. Oh, she was so quiet. But 
when she came, it was a bit of a shock. Um, when you go to school every day with people who look like you, talk like you, and all of a sudden someone comes and it's like, oh, this is different. So to everyone at the school, it was a bit of a shock. And after I graduated from high school, I attended FAMU, which was which is an HBCU, and that stands for Historically Black College and University. So the majority of the population at FAMU was black. And I'm giving you this background because I want you to know how it all fits into the progression of today's topic. So my schools were black. My extracurricular activities outside of school, um, my clubs, piano lessons, dance troops, all black. The only time I had a black coach or anything like that was when I played basketball for the YMCA. (laughs) That was it. Oh, and I did swimming lessons, and I did have a white um, swimming lessons teacher, but that's it. So once I graduated from FAMU, I had to make the decision um, about where I was going to attend graduate school. And I decided that I wanted to go to Florida State because I was looking online and I was meeting with the advisors and things like that. And it just seemed like a premier program in communications. And what really won me over was their digital video production program. I was looking at all of the courses for it. And I was looking at the experience that people had gained from it and the knowledge. And I was like, oh, I just have to go there. So I did. But listen, when I tell y'all, it has been a struggle for me. So my most recent run-in with black exhaustion was this past week. So recall how I told you all that I really wanted to attend the school due to their digital video production program. Well, one of the classes that I'm in for the program right now, it is post-production, which is basically editing for film. And in this class, we have a final video, which is for our final grade in the class and our final project. And the video is based on our own ideas. It's whatever you want it to be about. There's literally no limits. I mean, probably besides sex, you know, anything like that. But other than that, it's whatever you want it to be. And you are creating the film based on footage that you gather. It can be from movies. It can be from TV shows. It can be archival footage, which is old footage. It can be footage that you shot yourself or old home videos that you have laying around so the film is whatever you want it to be now I initially I had two ideas one I wanted to be about um, mass shootings and gun control and then the other one was about black people and the relationship that we have with this country and I ran the idea by my teacher one day and she kind of she kind of was nudging me to pick a different video and to go a different route with um my ideas and she was like you know I just want you to be able to convey your ideas in an adequate amount of time I understood that and at first I was just going to do something really simple very easy you know easy breezy get a quick little grade call it a day but my just my subconscious would not let me do that So instead, I followed my heart and I decided to submit my rough cut. And a rough cut is just a basically a rough draft. When you write a paper and you have a rough draft of your paper, a rough cut of a film is basically just a rough version of what you're trying to accomplish. So I submitted my rough cut and I was reading her feedback. And basically the video, y'all, the video is 
about black people living in this country and the things that we endure and the things that we have endured for years and years and years and that we're still going through to this day. So when I submitted it and I read her comments, the comments, you know, I understood what the comments were saying, but I needed to hear it from her. So I get to class this week and lo and behold, she comes up to me while I'm putting my book bag down and she's like, um, Shakira, did you have any thing that you wanted to talk to me about as far as your videos concerned like I hope I didn't confuse you with the comments that I left and I was like yeah can we talk about it after class and she said sure so after class she comes and she sits next to me and y'all this is verbatim what she said I pulled up the video and she was saying like um well maybe you can take out maybe we don't have to hear the news anchors say that the grand jury decided not to press charges against the officers that killed Tamir Rice. Because if we see Tamir Rice's face on the screen, we all know who Tamir Rice is. I can almost guarantee you that any person in my class does not know who Tamir Rice is just by seeing a picture of his face. Would I think that they may have known who Trayvon Martin was? Sure. Tamir Rice? No. So that was one thing that she said. And then another thing she said was she eventually cut to the chase and she was like, well, is this for a black audience? So I said, well, I guess so. Yeah. And she was like, well, maybe you can add cues to the video so that other audiences will be able to understand. And by other audiences, I know she means white people because the class is predominantly white. Um, there are about four black people in the class and the school is a PWI. It's a prom- predominantly white institution. So she was basically saying, take out certain things, put certain things in so that white people would be able to understand. And she was like, well, if you showed this to black people, would black people understand it? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, how does Solange fit into the video? And I said, Solange released an album last year entitled A Seat at the Table. And the album was about black people getting a seat at the table and just being comfortable in our blackness and the things that we have to endure. And what else did she ask me? She was like, um, you know, maybe you don't need the 911 calls because I included clips of white women calling 911 on black people for no reason. I included the clip of the lady who called 911 when the people were barbecuing in the park. I included when the white woman followed the black guy to his apartment because she didn't believe that he stayed there. I included the video where the white woman called the police on the little black girl that was selling water because she said it was illegal to sell water without a permit. I included all of that and she was basically saying, take it out. And I have been battling with um, this for some time this week, ever since we had the conversation, just because I felt like, and I talked to my mom about it too, and I was saying that I feel like I only have to deal with this because I'm black. And I I hate, I hate trying to like pull that black card, but... I just know for a fact that when students of other races are creating videos or creating art or doing things that they want to do, they aren't, when they're creating things, they aren't sitting down and saying, let me make something so that the black students understand. We are already living 
in America where we are exposed to their culture in everything that we do every single day. Not by choice a lot of times. Um, it's in their media, it's in the news, it's in the commercials. So we know their cultural cues. We know things that resonate with them. They don't always know things that resonate with us. So just like my teacher didn't know how Solange Solange's image fit into my video, it's because she hasn't been exposed to that and she hasn't um, gone out of her way to understand a lot of our cultural cues and things like that. And I've just been very exhausted with this um, this entire week because I've been fighting, well, should I change the video in a way that white people will understand it? Or do I stay true to what initially resonated with my spirit and resonated with my thoughts and my ideas and what I felt like we needed as a culture and as a people? And everyone has been telling me, don't change the video, Shakira. If they can't understand it, they just don't understand it. But am I compromising my art for a grade if I change it? Um, or should we go out of our way to make sure that white people understand things that we create? Maybe it wouldn't hurt. So that's something that has been really weighing on my spirit. And I think I'm going to just keep it how it was. Um, well, how it is, because I tried to edit a little bit of it um, yesterday and the day before yesterday, and I was just very unhappy changing so many aspects of my video that she suggests I change. And that's one of the things that I feel like ties into black exhaustion. Um, we are always the ones who have to adjust and kind of maneuver to fit into the mold and to make sure that everyone else feels comfortable. But I'm very tired of trying to make everyone else around me feel comfortable, especially in school and at work. I'm always feeling like I'm walking on eggshells. And I talked to so many people that went to family with me and we've all graduated. We're all in the workforce now. And we went from going to this institution where we were surrounded by each other every day, all day. And then we were thrown out into the workforce where we have to deal with our counterparts. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I just feel like we're tired. We get very tired whenever I talk to my friends um, and we just vent to each other. They're like, oh, girl, let me tell you what my coworker said. Oh, girl, let me tell you what my coworker did. And it's always something new, y'all. It's it's literally always something new, Um, whether it was something that they said about a hairstyle, whether it was something they said about food or a joke that they made that really wasn't funny. You know, we get tired. We get very tired. Um, And sometimes it's just exhausting being black. And I was talking to one of my classmates who was in the same program that I'm in, and I was telling her that sometimes... It's very heavy feeling like your skin color introduces you before you even have a chance to say a word when you walk into a room. And I felt like that since I've gotten to this school. And I know some of you all may be saying, well, Shakira, that's just the world we live in. You're going to have to get used to it. Um, That's just going to be how it is. I don't want to believe that. I want to believe that we can live in a world and live in a society where we don't have to feel this way and we don't have to just 
accept things the way they are? Like, what can we do as a people to try to improve the world that we live in? We should never be complacent and just accepting of things how they are. Our ancestors were not like that. And I don't want to preach, but I've been watching a lot of archival footage from bus boycotts and from sit-ins and from people being arrested just from walking down the street. And they did not accept things the way they are. So why should we, why are we so complacent with this idea of just accepting things and just taking it for what it is and saying well this is what it is so this is what it's gonna be I don't think that we should be like that we should find ways to kind of educate our counterparts and let them know like hey this isn't okay or letting them know when we don't feel comfortable and that's something I will admit that I have not done I have not let a lot of my teachers or my um, classmates know when they've made me feel uncomfortable when they make little black jokes or when they mimic things that I say or my other black classmates say and they try to have like a drawn out tone or a dialect because they think that that's how black people sound. We just kind of fade to the background and let things slide and we shouldn't. And that's my bad. That's something that I need to work on. But I want to give a shout out to a guy named Jarvis who is not in my specific program, but he is in um, the school that I attend and he works in digital media also. And Jarvis, he, I just, I love Jarvis, y'all. Jarvis is so black and he's unapologetically black, even around white people. Like a lot of times we will kind of um, adjust ourselves or carry ourselves in a certain way when we're surrounded by them because we don't want to be like that token black person and we feel like we need to carry ourselves in a certain way because if we were truly authentic to ourselves we feel like the other people would think that that's how all black people are so we feel like we have to carry ourselves in a certain way just so they won't have that idea about all black people but Jarvis it's just Jarvis and Jarvis says what he feels. Jarvis uses his dialect. Jarvis does what he wants and he does not care when the other students mock him. When he said um, the other night we were in the lab and he was like, Lord have mercy, Jesus, because he, he tripped and he almost fell. And he said it. And the white kids were like, they thought it was so funny. And one of the girls was like, um, Ooh, Lord have mercy, Jesus. And I'm just like, that's not funny. It's not funny. So y'all tell me if you've ever felt a state of black exhaustion, whether it was at work, whether it was at school, um, whether it was maybe even around your certain peer group. Maybe you're the only black person. I don't know. So let us know over on Instagram at Carefree Black Girl Diaries. We'll be sharing the responses Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Let's do it all week. How about all week? We'll share your responses. Let us know via our Instagram story. We'll post it every day and you can respond like that. And for now, that's all. We'll see you next week on the next episode of the Carefree Black Girl Diaries. Remember to stay black and carefree. Bye, guys.